Welcome to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research. I'm Alex Stevens, and as always, I'm joined by IER's Deputy Director of Policy, Jordan McGillis. Jordan, what do we have going on this week at IER? Thanks, Alex. We're recording today just in the wake of 2020's Earth Day, and we used that as a launching point last week in our uh, blog commentary to discuss all of the great things that economic development and that energy resources do to make the earth a more habitable place for human beings and to really highlight some of the gains we've seen, um, especially in the United States environmentally in the last 40 years or so. One aspect of that story is the precipitous drop we've seen in the criteria pollutants over the last 40 years or so. And, And that's something that you and I, Alex, worked on considerably in our Breathe Easier project. But to follow on to that, We had two posts that talked specifically about um, not criteria pollutants, but carbon dioxide emissions and highlighting the fact that those have actually dropped significantly in the United States since 2005. We've seen a 14% decline, believe it or not, in carbon dioxide emissions. So uh, that greenhouse gas that has so many people concerned is something that we're actually emitting less of in the U.S. than we were 15 years ago. We also had a post that discusses Earth Day in terms of resource-ship, meaning that uh, the Earth is a planet that gives us a lot of opportunities, but human beings have to use their minds and create them. Resources aren't naturally handed to us in the way we conventionally think of them. They need to be created and turned into valuable and usable opportunities. And then additionally, we had a piece, uh, because we're now 10 years on from the Deepwater Horizon catastrophe that discusses all of the gains in safety we've seen in the offshore drilling industry. And then lastly, on um, the final week, final day of last week, we had a piece talking about a counter trend, an actual harmful practice, which is the state of New York, which is banning fracking um, from its territory and is actually driving up its emissions as a result of that practice. Yeah, great, Jordan. As always, those articles can be found on our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. Last thing I want to highlight for everyone this week is the latest episode of the Plugged In podcast, where this week I sat down with Kenny Stein, IER's Director of Policy, to discuss negative prices in the oil futures market. Here's a clip from our discussion. Let's just start by explaining the fact that physical oil wasn't actually trading at a negative price yesterday. It was a futures contract for May, so... Uh, can you just give like a basic explanation of what the oils, oil futures market is and then explain why prices in that particular market were negative on, uh, on Monday? Sure. So the way when oils trade it, there's what is called the futures market. And the idea is that you're uh, sort of guessing at what the price is going to be in the future. So you buy, you buy a futures contract. Uh, in this case, it was for a May delivery of oil. Um, and so you say, you know, I'm, I think it's going to be $20 a barrel. So you buy a futures contract at $20 a barrel and then things fluctuate. And there's a whole universe of traders and brokers that are constantly buying and selling these futures contracts, gambling on what the future price of oil is going to be. But the, these contracts, it, the, what, what went negative on Monday was a, a, a very specific contract is for West Texas Intermediate which is used as a benchmark oil price for the United States, even though it's really refers to specifically a certain type of oil from West Texas, not surprising from the Birmingham basin. And the contract was for delivery, physical delivery of oil at the oil hub at Cushing, Oklahoma in May. And it was for usually for these contracts are for a specific day and time, even in May. 
But these contracts at a certain point in the month uh, all expire. And when it expires, if you have the contract for this future oil, then you are committed to taking delivery of that physical oil at the date and time specified by the contract. Now, the expiration date for these May delivery contracts just happened to be Tuesday, yesterday. So on Monday, you had a, a bunch of these guys who are just traders who aren't set up to accept physical oil, who were trying to uh, unload their contracts at the end of the period to the physical oil traders, who are the guys that actually buy and transport the oil. The problem is, is that because of the uncertainty around the coronavirus, oil has been accumulating in storage, including at Cushing. And when these traders went to sell their contracts, there weren't any buyers, or at least there weren't any buyers at positive prices. So in order for these guys to get rid of these contracts and not be on the hook for receiving physical oil, they had to pay these physical oil traders uh, money, have to, had to pay them up to at one point up to $40 a barrel uh, just, to, just to take the oil off their hands so that they, they didn't get stuck with it. So that's really the, the, the negative price was for a contract. It wasn't for a physical barrel. You know, a physical barrel, uh, a refinery or something was buying on Monday, was selling for a pretty low price because of all the economic problems and things that have been going on. But it certainly wasn't negative. And that was actually our 50th episode of Plugged In. So I'd encourage everyone to go back and listen to past episodes. In just the past year, we've had some really great guests, including Andrew Wheeler from the EPA, uh, Stephen Hayward discussing the 2020 election as well as IER's founder, Robert Bradley Jr., um, with a great conversation about energy policy in America from the 1970s to today. And thank you all for listening to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research. Until next week, I'm Alex Stevens. Have a good week.